Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hey, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Almost here, around the corner of future technology. And today I've got a really interesting interview. I'm speaking to Chadwick Turner, Chief Strategy Officer, and Brian Cavallaro, Chief Creative Creative Officer at uh, MNT VR, Virtual Reality. Um, they have a studio in Los Angeles that uh, uses virtual reality to uh, give people experiences and uh, to tell them stories and you know kind of immerse them in, uh, in the VR experience and I hope that's an accurate assessment. Is that right, guys? That was really close. The 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 company it's a funny it's based on the last name, so it's actually Mant VR M A N D T, and uh, our okay. CEO is Neil Mant. So it doesn't necessarily roll off the tongue, but uh, we're hoping the brand will speak for itself. Uh, okay, all right, Mant VR, gotcha, gotcha. So what 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 is this studio you guys have? What's it like when you walk in there, and what kind of things can you do in there? So it's a turnkey production company. It's in Hollywood, right in the middle of uh, you know a lot of the Hollywood studios. Where um, it, it basically has everything you would need to produce VR. And as far as we know, it's sort of the first of its kind because typically that kind of stuff is piecemealed. So there'll be some places where you can you know film um, that are film friendly. Some places that you can uh, edit. Some places where you can record audio. And uh, we have it all. Um, we are, and they call that a turnkey production company. So. In our facility, we have a, uh, a set of talk show, essentially, where we record uh, a talk show. Um, we have a soundstage. We have uh, several editing bays where we stitch VR videos as well as obviously edit them. We have a graphics bay to provide all the graphics for it. And uh, there's plenty of offices for producers. And we're sort of a one-stop shop. So, okay, um, I'm picturing in my mind, you know, uh, someone needs to film in a certain scene, you know, near the Eiffel Tower, and they don't want to go there, or they can't go there, or they can't get clearance to film there. Would you have characters on your set, and then you'd kind of blend them into that background so the viewer sees that they're there, or is this a completely different type of experience? I don't want to mischaracterize it. No, it's close. We, we have a green screen room. Um, so typically you would see, uh, you know, a green, we have all some green screen interview type shows. Uh, where you can put anything behind them. So we have a green screen room where three quarters of it, maybe a little more, are covered in green screen. And so essentially what okay. that does is it creates a holodeck, for lack of a better uh, word. Um, and then so you can put that person, you know, literally anywhere, um, in, including inside the video games, which is really neat um, in terms of doing like a video game review show. You would actually be able to see huh. a person playing the video game inside of the video game. That's cool. So where does the VR component come in? Is that for the person that that you're filming, that they perceive it in more of a virtuality, or is it um, for the final viewer that sees the finished production? For the final viewer. So the, it actually is a little bit meta. The person playing the video game can have on uh, an Oculus Rift headset playing the video game, and then somebody else can also be watching through any headset this person playing the video game in the 360 huh. environment. So they can look around and see the battleground or wherever else that, that, that the person happens to be and then also see the person in that setting playing the video game. 
Okay, so I, well, I don't want to make it too plain, but you're filming, but you're filming extra things necessary so that someone looking at this through a, a VR goggles um, can experience it as if they're really there. Correct. Yeah, you would feel like you're. I mean, that's the whole idea behind everything that has to do with virtual reality or 360 videos is the, the feeling that you are there, the immersive experience. Mm-hmm. And so that goes across the board. So if you're playing a video game, you feel like you're in the video game. If you're watching somebody play a video game, you feel like you are there watching the person playing the video game. Right. How much extra filming does this take? I mean, it it's, just sounds like, you know, gut reaction that it would take a tremendous amount of data in order to render... Um, you know, a 3D scene or a 360-degree scene? It ends up being more cameras. It's not necessarily more filming time. Um, it's just more cameras. So you take a lot more time setting up the scene, and then there's a lot more cameras capturing the scene. And then, of course, that becomes more time rendering the footage that you've shot. And the, the hardest part of the process is you use multiple cameras, as most cameras do, uh, or as most 360 technology does. Then you end up stitching it all together. And that's a, a time-consuming process. Of course, if you're adding hmm. graphics to it, you're doing it in sort of an extra-rectangular field, which takes up more space, and there's a little bit of a learning curve uh, to make graphics in that environment as well. So, uh, your productions, where have they appeared recently, for instance, that you know maybe people can see them? Sure, I'll let Chadwick uh, jump in on that. Yeah, so um, largest media platform on Earth is YouTube. Largest social media network is Facebook. They both support 360 video. Um, for the most part, you know, a lot of us have been in the space for a number of years, um, but Mant really exited uh, kind of our stealth mode uh, in August. And upon exiting, we did an article with Upload VR that announced five of our approximately 30, 40 series that we're producing this year and next. Um, by launching that on YouTube, so you can just, you know, if you have a Google Daydream, a Pixel headset, um, or YouTube, on which most people have either pre-installed or already installed on the phones. Um, you can hold your phone up and move it around. Mm-hmm. And the gyroscope and accelerometer uh, mimic uh, actual the, the actual motion of one's head. In addition, YouTube has cardboard mode, which we don't even know how many cardboards have been released. Some people say upwards of 50 million. Um, but really, cardboards are what their name just uh, describes. It's a piece of cardboard. Some of them are more fancy. Mattel released the Viewmaster, an updated version of the Viewmaster, rather, that can fit pretty much any smartphone, uh, from the iPhone to any of the Samsung devices inside of a headset for 30 bucks, uh, and it mimics okay. you're in a virtual environment. Um, the reason why this is a big deal for these major platforms to support 360 video is yep. due to their audience size. So when pe- people say, well, when is VR going to take off? Isn't this the next 3D? Um, no, it's not. The original VR push of the 90s, or one of the original pushes, required people invest in brand new hardware that they would only use for virtual reality experiences. Uh, you could look at the Nintendo Virtual Boy. You could look at those expensive arcade exhibits where you put this monstrous headset on, and it had mm. hydraulics to power the thing. Um, currently, your phone has three features on it that allow you to consume 360 video and eventually true virtual reality content from Facebook, YouTube, Little Star, et cetera. Uh, and that's a high-resolution screen, an accelerometer, and a gyroscope. With those three elements, we can distribute 360 video worldwide. Oh, that's awesome that you guys are able to leverage, leverage these established platforms and audiences to do that, and they're supporting yeah. it. 
<clears throat> not to be nerdy, but 360 is great. What about up and down? What do you call it if you want to look all over the place? You know, spherical is that is that possible or is that the asking for too much? The Google Jump camera purposely doesn't have a camera above or below, but a lot of the rigs that we shoot on, whether it's um, rigs you can just buy from the Internet, 360 Heroes, Freedom 360, that use six cameras, ten cameras, um, to proprietary rigs we build. Um, we, for the most part, always include a top, nadir, and a bottom. Uh, we find that it's compelling for folks to be able to look up and look down. Um, in addition, to go a step further, there's a, there's a conversation going on uh, on the nomenclature of what is VR, what is 360 video, et cetera. Um, I personally don't even put a, put a stance on that um, because I think it doesn't really matter. I think all that matters is that this industry, uh, for it to properly take off, we need great content. No one cares that Netflix has a good user interface. I mean, sure, some people do, but really what they care about is House of Cards. No one cares if HBO has the best transcode. They just want to be able to watch Game of Thrones. No one cares about the GPU and an Xbox. They just want to play Halo. So for right. us, we're taking the same approach with 360 video on these major platforms. It's no one cares that 360 video functionality exists. What they care about is that a, a show appears that is so good in a virtual environment that they must buy a headset. That's what we're trying to solve for. A lot of the content that's been released previously, I can point to some examples that are really compelling. Felix and Paul do a great job. Chris Milk's done some good work. Um, and VR Playhouse, et cetera, et cetera. But for the most part, a lot of the stuff we've seen released are, are just fancy tech demos where someone that's not really a storyteller got a camera, made something that looks cool but potentially doesn't have a lot of parts in it um, or mm. it's just a one-off six-minute piece. And at minute seven, the consumer goes, I want to watch more, and there's nothing for them to watch. Um, Binge-watching is not a... Trend. It's the new normal. So we need to make sure that this community consistently distributes a lot of great content and they can easily find it. Otherwise, you know, this thing's not going to take off for two, three, four years. We're hoping that we can yeah. make sure it takes off in 2017. Have, have you guys uh, considered, you know, you make a, you know, a short, I don't know, 10-minute film about something, um, let's say a battle, are you able to create avatars? Let's say someone wants to go through a battle scene as if they are, you know, Bob or Mike or Susie or that kind of thing. Have you, is there a place for that kind of thing where you have actors, um, again, view different parts of a scene and interact with it, and then the person that's watching it can go through the movie or the experience as one of the characters, like, in their body? Yeah, so I'll tell you this. This is the easiest way to... to give you a spectrum of what's possible. Everything is possible with scope and budget. So the problem with this one that I would tell you immediately, if you came to me and said, I already have the funding, I'm going to pay you to create this, this project, I would give you a big red flag immediately, which is for the most part, people are going to be sitting in chairs at their home, um, potentially just holding it up in front of their face, like they're not in a VR headset, but for those that are in a VR headset, what they're going to face is what's commonly referred to as motion sickness. It's Mm. your visuals are moving at a certain rapidity, but you're jumping up and down, you're, you're, the character is running and they're jumping, yet you physically in the real world are motionless. You potentially are moving your head to try to look at the environment, but you're motionless. And what happens for a lot of folks, um, your ears and your eyes are not matching up. Your ears 
tell your body kind of how you're standing, what you're feeling like. The ears are kind of connected to a lot of different things beyond just hearing. Um, mm-hmm. And you will feel the need to potentially uh, faint, puke, et cetera. And we need to avoid that as much as possible in this first phase. You can imagine haptic suits. You've probably been on virtual reality or roller coaster simulators before at trade shows where you sit in this room and the screen moves along. You Maybe you've been on star tours at Disneyland where the screen and the seats mimic each other. That's where we need to go before we start doing extreme m- movements inside the virtual space. We need to make sure the okay. body is, is mimicking it. And then the, group, the best example of this so far that I've seen is from Six Flags. They have a roller coaster where you wear a Gear VR and you wear a jet fighter doing loops, doing corkscrews, fighting aliens, and it's to the exact cadence of the track itself. So your ears and your eyes are actually matched up and you're moving through this crazy dogfight with alien spaceships. So that, you can imagine uh, Six Flags really is is doing a great job of um, repurposing their attractions with a virtual reality component. You're right, though. I've been on those uh, those rides, and yeah, it makes me very sick. Yeah, that's right. So that's our biggest our biggest thing. So I, there's a couple of companies with some really strong leadership principles, and one of the number ones uh, that I try to elicit as often as possible in business relationships is uh, be customer obsessed. And our customer is I always picture the person in a chair with a VR headset on, and I want to make sure that for the most part we cause them no harm. And if we cause them no harm, mm. they'll be repeat customers, and they'll want to watch more, and we can build revenue streams around a happy customer. You know, a lot of people question how you generate money in this business, and I say, well, there's the same. It's the same as before. Transactional. It's SBOD. It's COD. It's whatever. There's other right. elements down the road that we can do with heat mapping and product integration, et cetera. But none of that matters until you create compelling content and audiences show up for consistently. Um, so a lot of folks are trying to put the cart before the horse. Like, we need to figure out the revenue immediately. We know where the revenue is going to come from. We just need to make compelling content so people show up consistently to view it. Yeah. yeah you're right. I mean, one last thing about the, uh, you know, providing a good experience. Yeah, consequently, because I've been sick on a few of those rides, I have no desire to go on them, even if they would be cool. That's the biggest risk. The biggest risk is, you know, if I saw a crappy movie and said, I don't like movies because I've seen this one movie, that's the risk that people have in VR where somebody gives them a piece of virtual reality content, 360 content, and potentially it's a really bad piece, and you associate that with, oh, I just, I can't do VR because it makes me sick. It's it's actually, it happened a lot lot with 3D films. Some people didn't see Avatar. They saw something that was, you know, converted to 3D in post, and it was just garbage, and so they said, oh, yeah. I'll never pay for the extra 3D price because I don't like it. It doesn't work for me. It's 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 similar to what, what, what I've seen in virtual reality, so we're trying to, you know, put best-in-class content forward, um, very television model-like. So what do you see that um, people like and value that they're not getting right now with normal you know, 2D movie watching, for instance. Well, it's 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 hard. It's if you if I've been in the VR space since the first DK one. It's just one of those things that it's eventually you will have the option of being in any environment 
anywhere at any time in history. Future, past, present, doesn't matter. And you're going to be able to do it with your friends, and you're going to be able to be at the Eiffel Tower watching the 2D film. I don't think films are dead. I think films are going to continue to have a place in in the future. I mean, a lot of people just want to look forward and be told a story. Uh, right. going anywhere. Just like how oil painting, there's still new oil painting coming out. There's still new symphonies being written. There's still new music. There's still new newspapers. There's still, it just evolves with the time. Now, there will be cannibalization, sure. People only make so much money. Um, but VR, we're just doing the, the beginning rounds of what Charlie Chaplin did with film, what I Love Lucy did with TV. We're just trying to create some sort of lexicon and nomenclature around this, this medium and right. be the first and have fun with it. And I think that well, you're going to see a lot of people incorporate 2D inside their 360. That's it's actually going to be more of a marriage than more of a, more of a contrast. That makes sense. That's true. You know, I just saw Star Wars Rogue One, and I watched I it twice. It. I liked it, yeah. Well, I liked it, but, but pertinent to the discussion is I saw it first in 3D in a theater, and the glasses were okay, and, it, you know, it was all right. And I saw 2D, it was much better. It was much clearer, crisper, and I liked it better, and I didn't feel like, ugh. So you're right, there has to be a, a marriage of the two, and I think a lot of people are perfectly happy and they want to be told the story and sit there, like you said. Um, well, and remember, a lot of folks are going to have glasses in the near future. So currently it's these Gordon Gecko-style cell phones that were put on our face and they weigh two pounds. Eventually it's just going to yeah. be some sleek Ray-Bans that I'm wearing, and while I watch a high-definition version of Rogue One, I could, with my mom, who's based in Seattle, be watching Rogue One on, inside the bridge of the Millennium Falcon. Like, that's, that's where you can take this. It's not... It all has to be 360 video or, or a game or anything. It's just allowing people to be immersed wherever, whenever they want to be. It doesn't. There's no limitation. We're just we're just doing something that we know, which is we know how to tell stories. Um, no one's yeah. doing it. It's super. Ironically, to us, we consider it super low hanging fruit. We just know that no one has the strategy where they're not doing just one thing. Our focus is we are telling stories. We're making it massively available to consumers. We're not trying to build a camera. I mean, we build cameras when we need to for the right job, but it's not part of our strategy. Some folks think it's all about yeah. platforms and cameras and content. The platforms are built by $300 billion gorillas. Like, uh, Google is not going anywhere. Facebook's not going anywhere, and they need content. So we're more than happy to provide uh, content to their very popular platform. It makes sense. But I'm curious, what do you see people, and I know it's different depending on the, the film, but what do you see people like to use the um, the videos for? You know, is it I like a series and I want to watch a show again, but I didn't pay enough attention to this thing over there and I want to focus on it? You know, what what are some use cases that you've seen that people really like about this versus just a regular movie? There's there's an interesting opportunity for that. I mean, just as a, just as you saw Rogue One twice in different experiences. You can have a different experience watching a VR uh, experience twice. So, for instance, we have a show called uh, Don't Eat This that is uh, available on Little Star. And it's two guys that are eating food, uh, different uh, street foods on, in L.A. Uh, one of them has mm. a bit of a weak stomach and uh, <laughs> has certain reactions to some of the street food that he's eating. Um, and so right. you see and sort of hear people's reactions to that on the street. So you can go back and watch 
um, other people, you know, what they're doing, their reactions to it. Um, also, sometimes, often he gets up from the table and moves to a different area of the space um, to, you know, do his business. And so that gives you an opportunity to look around as well. And so you can see, you can watch what he is doing, um, and on repeat viewing, you can look back and see the other host commentating on what he is doing. Um, it's all up to you what you choose to look at. So in many ways, yeah. you, the viewer, the director, <laughs> that's an option that's kind of fun for people to have. Do you have data and feedback on what people do want to look at? And, I mean, do they, do you see that, the, you know, they'll watch these videos, they'll just tend to get lost or go down a, you know, get distracted and not watch the whole film? Or, like, what have you seen the reactions of people are? What are they tending to do? Maybe it's surprising, maybe it's not. I don't know. I mean, there's, there's different companies that are, you know, compiling eye-tracking uh, data um, to see exactly what people are looking at within the video. Um, but in terms of watching the film, it's not, it's not uh, or who is watching or how many people are watching. That's not so different than uh, tracking people that are watching Facebook videos or YouTube videos. Well, what have you guys noticed about yourselves? You know, when you're watching one of the videos you've made, are you doing we things that you wouldn't normally do? You know, what do yeah, you observe that you're surprising? Of course, we learn um, every day. Every day we, we create a, a new video. We learn something. It's, as Chadwick said, it's an emerging technology and you know, we're, we're all at the forefront of it right now. Um, so a lot of things, you know, you have to see if it works well on a headset. Um, that's a different experience than when you're watching it on YouTube. Um, and so mm -hmm. we've gotten very good about making sure that it's a good experience in both platforms. Um, and so that, that's also something that's really important. Any other uh, surprises, maybe about even your own behavior? In terms of watching videos? Yeah, you know, well, you know, for people that are not insiders, any juicy tidbits or strange things or cool things that you notice. That it's not mine, but I'll share it. It's uh, a gentleman sure. that VFX Academy Award winner who produces some of the best VR I've seen. His name is Kevin Mack. It's called Shape Space, and um, if anybody's listening that wants to check out some really great art in VR and really doesn't have a genre associated with just beautiful experiences. Hypnotic, I guess, would be the genre, but it's shapespacevr.com. Anyway, he's telling me a story as he's developing this experience where you flip through with beautiful music and fractals, how he was getting tired developing all night. And uh, he's like, you know what? I'm going to rest my eyes, and I'm going to wake up in this environment. So he did that. And he said it was one of the weirdest things. Because once his mind left REM and woke him up, he was inside this floating virtual fractal. Now, of course, there's a helmet on him, so within a couple of seconds, he realized, okay, wait, I'm in the real world, I'll take this off. But I think you're going to <laughs> see that more and more on a psychological level where there will be layers to this uh, thing we call reality where I could, and this will be possible, volumetrically capture my office, go into a virtual environment, and then inside that virtual environment, go inside via a computer terminal in that virtual environment, the actual volumetric capture of the office I'm currently in, and be a third party inside of my own office, or actually see it from my own personal perspective. So it's like there's just going to be layers to this, this route. So what have I seen? Um, I've seen that the entire concept of what content is and can be um, within the next five years is going to, um, it's going to disrupt everything. It's not just entertainment. It's everything. I, my wife's Greek, so my big fat Greek wedding, right? The dad always can tie every work back to Greek. I can tell you how every industry, you name an industry, I will tell you how virtual reality will disrupt it, whether it's minorly or 
drastically. Some of the most common are tourism, uh, real estate, education, um, military training, <clears throat> training in general. But then, of course, the mm. easiest one for people to get their mind around, because that this industry is always trying to push it, is entertainment, whether it's video games or film. But right. we're not we're not just in this business of um, we're not just the ones that are telling stories for for entertainment value. It's uh, we're trying to build some sort of narrative so we can tell any sort of story, documentary, um, educational. Um, and so what I have found in these headsets is uh, we every day learn something new about how to make it better. And um, the last point I'll make is one of the things that we try to do in a lot of our stuff is make the content for someone on a flight. So you can imagine that you are currently in a stationary seat and you really only have the, the leverage to view kind of the front 200 degrees of your environment. Some of our right. stuff will take advantage of the full 360, but um, really it's just we capture the full sphere at this point in a lot of the content to allow you to feel immersed. You can look behind you, see who's sitting there, see if anybody's there. But try to tell a story that makes sense similar to what a Broadway production is. You sit in a seat, all the seats face the same area, and someone tells you a story and the sets change. And um, a lot of the people that we've worked with from the theater world really understand virtual reality um, immediately. The Tarantinos of the world um, are going to be great, and I look forward to seeing their work. But currently, with right. motion sickness and the limitations of the camera movement, um, I think that those that kind of style of VR, especially on the cinema side, is is a little ways off. Not not too far off, but um, a little ways off. Well, yeah, that was one question I asked all guests. You know, what do you think? What's possible now, and what's fantasy now, and in the next, you know, ten years? I mean, any other um, Material you want to add to that? What do you think will be possible in 10 years, and what's going to be a fantasy for quite a long time? I predict by March 2018, Apple will release their glasses. Um, I think September 2017, they'll release the 10th anniversary iPhone. So March 2018 will, will be the most seminal month in birth reality's beginning. So everybody says, like, this is the start of VR. The end of the period known as the start of VR will be March 2018 because Spielberg will release a $200 million film, Ready Player One, all about VR. Apple, I assume, will release some sort of augmented reality glasses that just provide me my weather, my text messages inside of a lens. If it's not then, it'll be within a year of that. When Apple releases something, you're going to see a lot of the Western world who, as much as we're split Samsung, Apple, Apple consumers have a higher average income. Um, they will buy these fancy glasses, and you will see these glasses be able to allow rapid consumption of our content. Currently, it requires a cardboard, requires another piece of peripheral to properly consume it. But we're going to start seeing a lot of AR glasses and contact lenses pop up. That is going to be the dawn of this entire thing. So we hope to show up to that Ooh. party with a library of compelling content. That's where it's going to go. Wow. I guess I'm scared about your answer <laughs> in no, terms of privacy and all that. The, but the, yeah. the, the bummer of it is this. With, as with all societies, it's up to us whether we create a dystopian future or a utopian future. And what will mm. likely happen is some of us will live idyllic, beautiful lives and we'll, we'll know how to balance technology with um, having pride in, in knowing stuff without the use of Google. Um, and a lot of right. us will effectively only use repositories such as Google for data points. I think we've seen it over the past – I was just had, I just had a meeting – what we were joking about in 2003, if you had a debate with somebody, you, one of you would have to know the actual data. You wouldn't be able to Google it. it. I mean, you could go on the Internet, but you didn't have necessarily an iPhone in your pocket. You just had to know. Right. 
or you call somebody. But now you almost don't need to know anything. I ask Siri what the weather is going to be like. I check my calendar for my meetings. I do research on Wikipedia. I, I don't need to remember too much more. So eventually you're going to have glasses that will scan the person's face across from you and let you know the last time you met them, if their birthday is coming up. Um, right. And you, I don't know. I don't know if that's good or bad, but what I will tell you is it's happening. There's no way it's not going to happen. We're, we're only a couple years out from that technology being readily available. Mm. Yeah, I had a quick flashback of a, or a thought of uh, horror movies in VR, and then I pushed the thought away, but... Oh, yeah, As you're talking. totally. Just wait. I mean, look, there's a good chance that we plug ourselves into the matrix. But at the end of the day, I, we're trying to build content that's positive, um, scary sometimes. Like we have some horror pieces. we got good stuff. But, uh, you know, the, the, the philosophical arguments on VR, I think, are super compelling. I am by no means the right person to talk to. There's, there's some psychologists and people that have been, not only David Pena, who's been in this uh, VR ecosystem for a lot longer, Mark Bolas, who just went to Microsoft. Like these folks... Um, these are some people that I, I can I can give you some names of folks to reach out to because they're they're kind of the godfathers and mothers of this industry. Um, That'd be great. But, but I will also just say you know it's it's like anything it, it is the most important sales tool ever made um, and it's going to and we hope to we we use it for uh, for good things and positive things and good experiences. There's also examples of people yeah. getting rid of their fears with VR. They'll put them in an environment where they're walking on a tightrope and they can deal with their heights in a safe environment. They put them in a room with a spider and they can learn, you know, everything's going to be okay, just breathe through it. Um, public speaking, there's an application that allows you to walk, stand in front of a crowd, deliver and practice a public speech. Um, huh. I think there's, with those examples, it makes me super excited about where this meeting goes. One of my first projects was the Nepal earthquake project with Riot, and they took a camera and I stitched the footage and helped them kind of understand best practices. But they took the camera to Nepal right after the earthquake and captured something right. that really went viral and they could raise some money for, for doing good. So um, there's an empathy that really hits home with virtual reality and 360 video that um, as much as there will be some dystopian things that occur, there will also be some really fantastic um, results from the emergence of this, uh, this technology. Fair enough. Okay. So ManVR, the studio, is uh, a platform for the creation of content, 360-degree content and these kind of videos. That's, I guess, really the summary of what you guys do. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we try to leverage the best technology um, to tell serialized narrative uh, content. So we work with some of the best brands out there, um, but we also have a, a slate of original pieces and content that um, we think uh, – can stand on their own. Some stuff that's fun and, and energetic and somewhat adolescent and, and, and not too stressful. <laughs> um, we've got some news pieces that try to, you know, provide proper journalism to a 360 environment. Um, we've got the reality shows. We've got uh, the narrative horror pieces and sci-fi pieces. We're, we're just trying to experiment um, with our 40-plus member storytelling team and, once again, provide what this industry is missing, which is a lot of good content. Mm, okay. What about um, accessibility and, and price level, you know, without disclosing price? I mean, is it really expensive to do the kind of videos and productions you make, or is it surprisingly close to, um, you know, any other regular studio? Well, the, the cameras that we use require um, certainly 
because they're new, the price points are a little bit different, or there's multiple versions of the similar cameras that we know. So multiple versions add a little bit of a price tag to it. Um, but mostly the, the costs are incurred in post-production. Post-production is a much more difficult, time-consuming process, um, especially from a labor standpoint. Um, so from mm. that regard, it is a little bit more expensive to produce um, VR content. Okay. But is is it quite a bit more expensive, or is it uh, surprisingly in line with other types of content? Well, it, it, I'll do this. I'll say this. If if you're trying to aim for something that's cutting edge, crazy, never been done before, we have the we have the teams and the partnerships that we know how to actually scope and price that out. But if you're like, hey, I film a television show, it I have a hundred thousand dollar budget, can we do a VR show for that? We back into that budget and say absolutely. We can find a way to do something that adheres to your quality level, adheres to what your goals are, but here are the couple things that we're going to have to cut out um, that will still adhere to that budget. So you can do, for the same price as normal content products, you can do VR. It just depends on kind of what your scope and goals are. If you're just trying to use some user-generated content that is like a Charlie bit my finger, um, then it doesn't necessarily, <laughs> you know, it's like there are Rico Thetas out there, there are Samsung Gear 360 that allow you to do user-generated content, and it auto-stitches, and they're great cameras. They're good. But yeah. if you actually want a producer, a uh, script developer, et cetera, um, it just, it's, it's roughly, you can do it for the same price as what people are used to. Um, however, there, there are some pieces that you have to pull back on. The other thing I'll add is, you know, on average, everybody in the television world talks 22-minute, um, 44-minute, you know, feature length. We're talking roughly 90. Um, that's just... It's a little too long, it seems, for a lot of folks that are in headsets. So a lot of the content we produce is between two to seven minutes, uh, but serialized, so probably ten episodes of that. So if you're going to mm -hmm. be doing a 44-minute episode of television, um, but we're, we suggest why don't you do 30 minutes of three-minute, ten-minute episodes, um, you've already cut 14 minutes off the production, and probably a lot of the set changes are, are taken away because, as I mentioned before, uh, one of the best practices here is kind of thinking more Broadway than Tarantino. Um, so there's, once again, it's just a different flow, and for the most part, we don't really have a rubric on it's more or less, more or less expensive. It just depends okay. on what the goals are for the customer, and we find that a lot of customers from the, the native film and television world are very interested in VR, so we can kind of back into their normal budgets, um, and sometimes even less than their normal budgets if, if it's, um, if it's a smaller scope project um, and find a way to make sure that it still is in line with their brand. You know, when, when, when you're talking to the Disney, the Ford, the podcast, ones of the world, these are um, recognizable brands and media okay. that we have to make sure that we hit their, the, the brand quality that they've established over, you know, decades of hard work. Um, and we know hmm. how to do that on time and under budget. So that's, that's a long way to answer it, but it's we can fit it. We can pretty much work with any um, any budget. Okay. Are you guys going to uh, be including any haptic feedback to make a uh, like a visceral Charlie bit my finger experience or uh, ah, any other things? That one sounds painful, <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, we, we have the capability to do that. But for us, it's really about mass market. It's um, we're doing an interactive experience called Craftness. It's basically tilt brush, but you get to create uh, a digital ornament that can be hung on a virtual tree. So imagine down the road, you could decorate
celebrate the tree with your, your family from around the world. Um, that is available or will be soon in the next day or two on Steam. And Steam has the largest footprint of any uh, video game, uh, excuse me, PC uh, app store, um, or rather game portal. So that's a big right. portal, but it's not as big as the two plus billion smartphones out there. But for the interactive world, that's a big one. So we don't necessarily want to pigeonhole ourselves just yet with, hey, there's this new handset that allows haptic technology, so we're going to make a lot of content for it. We really want to make sure that if somebody, if there's a large enough audience, we can we can help them with compelling content. But that's not to say, um, you know, if a if a singular experience or exhibit came along, and we can utilize haptic feedback chairs, gloves, etc., um, we're prepared to do that. Um, yeah. But for anything that we develop in house, once again, we try to try to make sure it can it can be distributable on the, the bigger platforms. Makes sense. Okay. That's why you're the uh, strategy officer. I can hear the strategy in it. Yay! Um, cool. They got me. They gave me the right title. I'm just over here painting. Right. Which Alex is talking. Brian loves to paint. Beautiful work. <laughs> right. Those rust I got uh, kind of a funny, funny question, but um, you talked about splitting up a production into pieces so that you know it's less arduous to do the uh, 360 video and everything. I've noticed. I don't know if this is true or not, but with um, how much of a 360 degree experience is needed in a viewing experience? You know, if you have, um, you know, a 22 minute thing that you're watching, is three or four spots of just a minute or so enough to make a person feel like they quote unquote got their money money's worth or or had a better experience, or does the whole thing need to be 360? And the reason I ask this is. I noticed when I've gone to the movies and watched these 3D movies, it really only appears that a very tiny percentage of the movie actually is 3D. And I think they did that, I guess, for various reasons. One is to conserve, and two is it's enough for someone to feel like, oh, it's 3D, because there was three scenes with it, and the rest of the movie was normal. I think that, um, you know, I see what you're saying. Like, is, is it worth it? So, or, or how much of it is, are you getting what you pay for? So, there yeah. is certainly a, uh, certainly a question to be asked about whether or not this could have been done in a traditional way, a 16 by 9 frame. Now, you can always make that argument that the content, uh, I mean, nine times out of ten, you can make the argument that the content could play well in a 16 by 9 type environment. You know, take like a cooking show, for example. Yeah, I mean, a cooking show for, you know, almost 100 years, we've seen a, a version of a cooking show that's been filmed. And use a 4 by 3 or 16 by 9 but what 360 will always do for you, what VR will always do for you, is to make you feel like you're in the kitchen. And that is not something that you can ever make happen in a box or not even really with 3D. Okay. And am I crazy, by the way, or is that what uh, movies are doing? Are they just giving you a little bit that they can call something a 3D picture, but you know, 99% of it is, uh, is normal 2D? I, you know, there's been a, very few movies are created for for 3D, um, unless sort of it has a that in the title, you know, where it's like Spy Kids 3D, and they're thinking about 3D the whole time. And sometimes it gets a little bit tacky. They're, they're sort of playing gags on you the whole time. Um, so the other films are just sort of formatted to fit 3D, and then they'll take, you know, this 3D experience, the, the, the moments that make the most sense for 3D and really uh, bring them to life. But yeah, I mean, you know, if you're watching a film like the new Ghostbusters, when they're 
shooting a, a you know a ray towards you, they'll give that 3D effect. Um, if it's two people right. talking in a room about how they're going to go about catching a ghost, now you're not going to feel much of a 3D effect. That's true. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, um, we've covered a lot of interesting ground. Uh, anything that I should have asked you that uh, we left out? No, I think that's kind of it. I mean, look, it's, it's an exciting place. We're excited to be involved with it. I think um, you will see a lot of announcements over the next six months because there are going to be a lot of numbers revealed after holiday season. There will be more headsets announced at the early part of next year. Um, the big mm -hmm. announcement of next year will just be the 10th anniversary of the iPhone in September. Um, so we got, you know, nine months before that hits. But, uh, yeah, and then it's 2017 is the year where you really start to see formal announcements and big releases in this space. IMAX has announced they're going to launch theaters. Um, you've got Star VR providing the headset, which is a really powerful headset for those guys. So IMAX, the, the biggest name in exhibition is doing VR facilities. You've got arcades starting to pop up called The Boys, VR Studios, the arcade that allow people to wirelessly run around virtual environments. Um, Esports is getting bigger and bigger by the day, so imagine where that's going to go with VR. These phones keep getting more and more powerful. These glasses are going to start popping up around bigger than just the Snapchat specs that have a camera, but eventually there'll be actual computer screens in the lenses. So um, it's early days. Anybody that says VR is here, VR just showed up to the party. We haven't even uh, mm. cracked open the champagne yet. Okay, very good. And for uh, you know companies, people interested in uh, you know finding out how they can work with your studio. What's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, well, we have a great website called mantvr.com, M-A-N-D-T-V-R.com, and you can see excellent photos of Chadwick and I on that page. That's right. I'm the one with the falcon. He is the one with the falcon, so he's a lot better <laughs> than mine. Um, and, yeah, there's a contact us, so feel free to reach out to that. Um, you know, if you have general questions on VR, I would recommend you just start learning it from uh, – there's – VR Scout, Upload VR, podcasts like this, uh, the virtual report. There's plenty of resources for you to get educated on this. But, uh, you know, if you're someone with a uh, real idea, a real project, and uh, for the most part a real budget, um, feel free to reach out and uh, we can provide some general ideas and concepts. But, um, yeah, it was a pleasure, pleasure chatting with you. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be exciting 2017. All right, guys. I appreciate it. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.